Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are on this beautiful spring morning. Did I hear someone cough when I said that? We're here on this Sunday morning. I want to, uh, as we gather our thoughts together and ourselves together this morning, uh, I want to just take a, a minute or so to reflect on, on the goodness of God and some of the things that happened this last week. Um, God's been talking to me a little bit about the supernatural and uh, how the supernatural, if you look at the word, takes place in the realm of the natural. It's a supernatural. And as a person, as a human being, I live in a natural realm. I live in the realm of the, the carnal, the, the, the earthly. But God wants me to live in a dimension that is superb or super over the natural. I have to learn to expect what is not expected. A miracle is an unexplained event. And um, for instance, when I received the Holy Ghost, that was a supernatural event. In other words, I spoke in tongues, which I speak in English, but this time it was different because I spoke in a language I had never learned. It was a supernatural event. So a lot of the miracles that we are going to experience in life are going to take place in the realm of the natural. But they're going to be far different than the natural. I want to start by turning to 2 Kings, the 11th chapter. might have the wrong. I might have to go to first Kings the first Kings, not to second Kings. You know what? I may have wrote this first down wrong here. I'm looking for Elijah. Well, you know what? I guess I wrote the verse down wrong. Let me tell you the story nonetheless. Elijah, who was the prophet the Old Testament for Israel, is quite a very interesting man. We know that, that he had did many miracles through his life. He had prayed against Ahab, and the, the earth was brought into a drought for three and a half years. 
he had done so many things that, that went beyond the, the realm of the natural. Near the end of his life, what he has done is he has brought on an apprentice. He's brought on Elisha. He's taking Elisha with him to train him in the way of the supernatural. Now, Elisha was already skilled in the natural. We know that he farmed. He was used to bringing in a crop. But the crop that God wants for us is not a natural crop. We're all farmers, in a sense. We're all spreading seeds, sowing the seed of faith, sowing the seed of the word of God. So we're into farming, but the harvest is different. The harvest of the church, and the harvest separates it from the world because it's a harvest that you cannot get from an earthly realm. It's a supernatural harvest. Elisha had saw the works of Elijah. He'd been there. He'd been carrying the bags. He'd watched Elijah throughout those, the, that, those years preceding his taking, being taken away in the fiery chariot. He had saw the supernatural. But when the, he's coming to the end of Elijah's life, there's something inside Elijah's heart that says, God is going to take my master. And he's going to take him to, in, in a supernatural way from off the earth. I don't know how he knew that. I don't know if God had spoke to Elijah and told him that he was going to take him on a particular day and that Elijah had shared that with Elisha. But I do know that it was something that had been revealed to Elisha as well as the other prophets. Because the day that Elijah was carried up in the fiery chariot, he was not the only one aware that something was about to happen. Because the prophets had already spoke to Elisha, the other prophets, and said, you know you not, that today your master will be taken from you. Did they know how he was going to be taken? I don't know. What were they expecting? Were they expecting a chariot to come down out of the clouds, a fiery chariot, sweep up Elijah and take him up into the clouds again? Were they expecting that? Or were they expecting something above and beyond the ordinary? And I think no one knew. I don't even think Elijah himself knew how he was going to be taken. But they knew the time. So they were expecting it. Now, I, I think about my own trip. God's told me already that he's coming to take me away. He says, of the times and the seasons knows no man but my Father which is in heaven. But we can know the period of time that it should take place. Like, we know today, Elijah, that God's going to send his, his sin for you. I didn't know if it was going to be a chariot. He's going to take you away. In the same manner, I can know that right now that God is about to take me home. He's even told me how he's going to do it. The trumpet's going to sound, the dead are going to be raised up, and we, which are alive and remain, are going to be caught up together in the air. Now, that's a super natural event. And Elisha, you know, when this happened, he was there. Elijah said, you know what? Elisha, you've asked one thing of me. You've asked a double portion of my spirit. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you see me when I depart, it'll be so. In other words, if you stay awake and you stay alert and you keep your eyes open, 
If you see me taken up, your request will be granted. And of course, Elisha did. You know, I've always wondered about the other 50 prophets that stood a distance off, knowing that Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven, why they didn't do what Elisha did. They were prophets. Why didn't they follow Elijah too? Why weren't they standing right on the other side of the Jordan with Elijah? Wouldn't you want to be there to see this? But see, there's some of us that are content to look at it from a distance because that way we're not committed. That way if something doesn't happen, we're not close enough to be looked at with scrutiny. Oftentimes we'll let someone else take the chance. Example, Peter. Every one of those disciples could have got out of the boat. Was God limited to only one person stepping out on the water? He only had power for one? No, but everybody was willing to watch one man make the commitment to walk in faith or to enter into the supernatural. And that was the same way with Elijah. Everyone was content to watch Elijah and Elisha take part of this great event from a distance. After Elijah was taken up into heaven, the cloak of Elijah was cast to the ground Elisha picked it up, and he picked up, what did he pick up? He picked up a role or a ministry of the supernatural. I can see him holding it. It was his commission. He had done what Elijah had asked him to do. He was there and present when this took place, his taking away, and he takes the cloak, and he comes to the Jordan River, the same Jordan River that Elijah and Elisha had crossed previously and split the water. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And he takes the cloak and he strikes the water. And what do you think he wanted to have happen? Why did he strike the water? Now remember, the water's flowing. It's a nice, dirty river at this stage. And uh, what is he, is he expecting something? Yes, he is. He takes the cloak the same way Elijah does. He strikes the water expecting the supernatural. Now, some of us never experience the supernatural because we're afraid to step out of the natural. The Bible talks about us seeking and asking and knocking. In other words, extending some effort to receive some bounty. But if we're like the other 50, they never split any water. Those 50 prophets, even though they were prophets, I don't have any record of any miracles that any of them performed. The only guy that I have doing any miracles is the man that stuck with Elijah to the end, and he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. So I guess in the next few minutes that I have with you, I want to talk about you making the supernatural part of your perception in life. I want you to start expecting God to do something that is above and beyond the ordinary, a miracle. In 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 1, it says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. 
Now, I've always looked at this verse a little differently. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. And we've always thought of that as a good thing. When I was a child, I acted like a child. I did childish things. But now I'm grown up. Is that good? Do you still believe in Santa Claus? When you were a kid, you did. How about the Easter Bunny? Is that good or bad? You had the potential as a child to believe in things that you'd never seen. And what Paul is saying, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but now I'm a man. But when Jesus speaks of childhood, he doesn't speak about it in a negative sense. Not at all. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, oh wait, Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 25 says, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Because a child has the potential to expect the unbelievable. I did. I left cookies and milk out every Christmas. And I actually believed when I went to bed at night that this fat, overweight man was in the kitchen chowing down chocolate chip cookies and drinking whole milk. I tried to stay awake because I had the potential to believe in the unbelievable. Jesus goes on in the 18th chapter of the same book of Matthew. He said, in verse 2, he called the little child to him, and he placed a child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now take that in relationship to what I just read in 1 Corinthians. Do you think it's a good thing to start thinking like a man and to sell out your childlike faith? When I was, when I was a new person in the church, a young, young Christian, my potential to believe was great. Probably greater than right now because I believed. I'd received the Holy Spirit. I, talk, I spoke with tongues. I believed that God could do anything. But as I began to grow, doubts and logic and wisdom and knowledge started to increase. And all of a sudden, I started to say, well, maybe that's not going to happen now. And I became like the 50 prophets. I'm willing to watch the young ones, like Elisha, who are new to their faith, get, take the chances. Because if they try and fail, well, they're just young and they're expected to do that. I look at Elijah calling down fire. Did he expect that? Absolutely. Had he ever seen it? I don't think so. How about Elijah when he came to the widow of Seraphith? Had he ever seen God put meal in a barrel 
and oil in a cruise and keep it full? By the way, that's my philosophy to the question, the eternal question, was the barrel always just near the bottom of meal and the cruise almost empty? No, no, I, my perception is that it was overflowing. Good measure, overflowing. God doesn't want us to live an existence just meeked out day by day. He wants us to live in abundance. But did he expect the barrel to be full? Absolutely. He expected the unexpected. He told the woman, you go and make yourself a little a cake for me and bring me a little water and then you make for your own self. Well, she had just told him that there was only enough for one cake. How could he make the statement that he could eat and she could eat too unless he expected God to do something supernatural? She never put one ounce of grain in that barrel. She never went out and bought one ounce of oil because the supernatural was a part of her life every day. I was writing these notes on, on Thursday night as, the, as Brother Bernard was preaching and God was speaking to me and this, this thought came to me. Hope married to faith produces the climate for a miracle. Hope married to my faith produces an environment or a climate for a miracle to take place. Now, why do I say that? Because the Bible says, I'm saved by hope. But hope that is seen, is it's not hope. For what a man sees, what does he hope for? But if I hope for that, which I do not see, Paul said, I do with patience wait for it. Now, I wouldn't wait for something I didn't expect. Would I? Brother Matucci, if you, you thought your wife was going to pick you up at, at, down at the uh, ride over here, this parking ride, but you really didn't think she would come, would you wait? No, you wouldn't. Wait on the Lord, the Bible says. Trust in the Lord. Expect the Lord. Did Daniel in the lion's den, did he expect to be eaten? He was more concerned about Nebuchadnezzar than he was himself. He just expected God to do what was necessary to protect him. How about the three Hebrew children? Did they expect to be burned? Not necessarily. They said the God that we serve is able to deliver us. And if not, so what? They expected God to do what was best for them. They were expecting a miracle. How about feeding the 5,000? How about feeding the 4,000? What did they really expect when they took that small boy's lunch? And they had so many thousands of people to feed. God wanted them to learn to expect the miraculous. If they would give what they had, God to take it and multiply it in his hands and cover a multitude of problems. But it comes to us being able to release our faith. I know we like to talk about money with that, but it goes above and beyond that. It goes to every aspect of our life. Are we able to release 
the little bit that we have, the security. Are we like Peter, willing to leave the security of the boat and step out into the water and expect it to hold us up? I don't think Peter expected to drown. I believe he expected to do the same thing that Jesus was doing. And Jesus was on top of the water. I'm asking you this morning to take a chance and reach out to another dimension. I'm asking you to take a chance and reach out to a dimension that is not bound by our carnal and natural laws. In this dimension, people walk on water. In this dimension, the hungry are fed. Fire falls. And God provides. How about the water dividing and then the sun standing still? Could you, can you believe that? Do you believe today, if I were to ask you, that God could stop the sun or the earth from turning today? How many of you would be willing to bet $100 on it? <laughs> no, I don't know if I expect it that much. You're the 50. You're the 50 that are standing on the hillside looking down. You believe it will, could happen. I think we all fall into that category. We all believe it can happen. But how many of us could expect it to happen? Watching the wicked Jeroboam as he comes up to the altar in, in Israel and he reaches out his hand towards the altar and all of a sudden his hand withers up. The prophet steps back and he sees how God supernaturally withers the hand of the wicked king. He expected the unexpected, even though he didn't know exactly what was going to happen. How about those people that, that stand against Moses and they murmur against God? How many of them expected that day as they took their censers and swung them over their head that as they stood against Moses and said, we're as important as Moses, that fire would fall from heaven and consume them and burn them up. But Moses expected it. Moses knew what was coming. Moses interceded for the people before the plagues even came because he expected God to send judgment when sin was present. The earth opens up. Who expected that? How many families in Israel that stood behind? I'm trying to think of that, that priest's name. Who was it? No, it wasn't Kohath. But anyways, how many expected their families that were there for the earth to swallow them up? Just opened up. And all of their possessions and all of their children and all their families fell into the hole. And then the hole closed. How many expected that? Well, that's not possible. I can't expect the impossible. What do you mean you can't? Is that the God that was governing at the time of Moses and Elijah and Peter and John, is he the same God, by the way, that's here this morning? Has he changed in any way? 
Is his hand short that he can't deliver like he used to deliver? Then if that is not true that he still and he still can, why don't we expect the unexpected? Tax time is coming up. How many of you are expecting to go down to the pond and stick your hook in the water and pull out a fish that's going to have all the money you need to pay your taxes this year? Yeah, uh-huh. What kind of bait are you going to use? Are you going to throw a penny on a line and hope it pulls out a dollar or what? See, the whole principle that Jesus tried to establish and God tried to establish with the church was, you're living in a natural realm, not expecting the supernatural. But I can provide your need from sources that you would least expect to receive them from. How about looking for your breakfast outside your tent door early in the morning in a desert? You know what's in a desert? Sand and rock. It's arid dry. How could you provide, even if you could find some food in the desert, how could you find enough food to feed 3.5 million people in the desert? And God said, guess what? Tomorrow morning when you get up, you're going to have everything that you need. You're going to open your tent flap. You're going to walk outside. You just gather as much as your family can eat. Eat till you're full. You'll have just enough. And there you are. Because God can operate in the realm of the supernatural. He used the natural. Because those calendar-like seeds, which were outside their tents, which we call manna, provide, well, they were in a natural realm. He didn't all of, a say, all of a sudden say, just there's going to be loaves of bread out there. He said, you're going to go out and gather these, this seed-like material. You're going to make it into bread. He used the natural to bring about the supernatural. He used the fish to bring about the blessing. He used the water to hold up Peter. The natural is always a part of the supernatural. And so when I'm praying for a miracle from God... Where do I expect the miracle to come from? Oh, it's just going to fall down from heaven. No, the supernatural is going to raise up from the natural things that are around me. It's going to come from the things that are present in the earthly realm. Who would have ever thought when Lazarus was in the tomb that when they rolled the stone away that there were going to be dead men walking, a dead man walking? Who would have ever expected this man wrapped up in grave clothes would come out standing there whole and healthy? He used the natural to bring about the supernatural. He was still wrapped in his grave clothes. He still had the anointing of, for the, of death upon him for the dead uh, person that he had been. But God had brought life into a death situation. I want to tell you this morning, you have a right. Everybody talks about rights. You have a right to expect the unexpected. Pulling away the veil of unbelief that's covering your eyes and letting faith light your path 
and guide your steps instead of the philosophies and traditions and the doctrines of men. You need to put aside those worldly thoughts and those worldly perceptions because God doesn't operate solely in the realm of the natural. He operates in the realm of the supernatural. I was talking to my, actually, I, I spoke to our residents this week and I shared this with them at the Regency. And I said, for instance, let's bring it down to the present. This room at 9.43 this morning, what do you see in this sanctuary? Well, I see chairs and I see lights and carpet and the pulpit. I see Brother Kylie up on the altar. But is that, that all that's here? What about the dimension of the supernatural? What about what's really here this morning? What about those things you don't see? How about the presence of the cloud of Shekinah glory that hovers over the saints of God? For God is in the midst of his people. What about that cloud of power that's waiting for a bolt of lightning to strike from above us, to hit the open heart of a person that has faith to believe in a miracle? You, want, you know when you're, there's a storm brewing, you're always wondering where the next bolt is going to strike? You ever been out on a lake in a thunderstorm and you're wondering if you're the highest point? Lightning looks for, th for the highest point to strike. That's why they don't want, want to stand under a tree or stand next to a guy that's taller than you. Your God strikes the miraculous or supernatural at the highest point of faith. You ever say, God, nothing ever happens to me. How come miracles already always happen to someone else? Now, if God is no respecter of persons and he doesn't love you any more than he loves Brother Stone King or anyone else or Brother Bernard or Brother Jeff Arnold who was raised from the dead, if he's no respecter of persons, why is it that lightning struck them but it hasn't struck you? Could it be that you're too short? Could it be that your faith or your, in your, your rational thinking, you're not expecting the unexpected, that you're living at a lower realm and you should be lifting up your faith, your most precious faith to God so that the lightning can find its way to your soul and life? Expecting it. Children can. I, I had so much fun with my kids and I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun with my grandkids I remember Amy, she was so gullible. She, she's not quite as gullible now. She knows my antics. But we would drive home from church in Plymouth. And I'd say, Amy, I have a special treat for you. Now, this may sound like a lie, but I'm having fun with her imagination. I'd say, close your eyes because I have changed the car and made it into an airplane. And I want you, I'm gonna, we're going to take off, but I want you to close your eyes because I'm going to have to accelerate to get the car going fast enough so we can lift off. And I'd know that there was a little hill up ahead. So I would tromp on the accelerator. I says, keep your eyes closed because we're, we're taking off. We're, you, you feel it? We're lifting, we're lifting. Daddy, we're flying. 
Sometimes you need to close your eyes. And you need to say, believe what God is saying to you and saying, I close my eyes to the dimension of the natural and I believe what God is speaking to me, but it'll be different than me because I said, don't open them up until we land. I don't want you to get scared. But that's where we have to be with Christ. We have to have that, that faith of a little child. If you want to be an Elijah riding in a fiery chair to heaven, chariot to heaven, you have to be expecting God to meet you just like he said he's going to. If you want the chains to fall off your wrist and you want the doors of the prison in your life to open miraculously, you're going to have to do the same thing the Apostle Paul did and the Apostle Peter because they both saw that happen. You have to keep on worshiping God and expecting a miracle. Because the church is leaving. The sky is opening. The trumpet is blowing. And the dead are rising. God is moving like a river in the desert. Why are you doubting when your spirit is shouting out to you to open your eyes to see and for your hands to reach out to the supernatural realm which is all around you? Those were the words that, those were words that came to me just as I was in that service and it was like God was speaking to me. Why aren't you using the faith I gave you to experience the miraculous that I have provided for you. <clears throat> so I think I'll stop there this morning. I want you to expect God to do a, a supernatural thing in your life. I want you to stop growing up thinking that and becoming old because when you're old, you're not flexible anymore. Believe me, I know. When I was young, I could fall and get right up. Now I have to take inventory before I start to move to make sure everything's moving right. I don't want to grow up. And guess what? In the body of Christ, the Lord says, I do not have to. That I need to retain the same spirit of a child that I had when I came, when I believed him for the supernatural. I don't know what your needs are. But why not believe God that he's going to supply those needs in a way that's above the natural? Oh, I know that God, I'm going to get a paycheck in another couple of weeks. Actually, in another week. Yeah, it feels good. But you know what? I expect that because it's the natural law. I punched a clock, I'll get a check. But what about believing God to provide for me something that I, I haven't earned? Something that is supernatural. Like Brother Imo giving me $100. Now that would be supernatural. <laughs> I'm not expecting it, but you know, I'm going to close on a light note. I think you got what I'm saying this morning. We live far below the level of our privilege. 
We live far below where God wants us to live. And we live in poverty when we should be living as kings, spiritually. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak with you this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.